Sup Freaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I know, I promised that this would get out yesterday on Rabbit Hole Recap last week, but uh, busy. Been a busy, busy beginning of this week. But, alas, here comes the episode with Kevin Mulcrone. Matt and I sat down with Kevin Mulcrone, uh, the creator of Lily Wallet, uh, a multi-sig uh, quorum setup. I guess that's how you would describe it, but uh, basically a base software um, for Bitcoiners to use to to set up multi-sig wallets. And as you'll see in the interview, um, Kevin has has big plans for the future of Lily and and uh, what else it'll incorporate uh, so that Bitcoiners can leverage uh, open source software and, and custody their Bitcoin in a truly sovereign way. Uh, I think you guys are really going to like this episode. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking cat. You should know all. You should already know all about them. But if you don't, let me tell you about them. The Cash App is helping you stack Sats, helping you send Sats, receive Sats, and it has made Sats the standard. If you want to, in the app, you can toggle it. You can use Bitcoin as the standard or Sats the standard. Um, instead of buying a fraction of a Bitcoin, when you make Sats the standard, you're buying whole Sats. Feels a little bit better. Uh, on top of that. You can auto DCA into Bitcoin using the Cash App. You can buy daily, weekly, bi-weekly. You can set it and forget it. You're sat stacking within the Cash App. On top of that, they have Cash App investing. If any of you freaks are out there getting getting in on this hot stonk market, it's getting really hot. Really hot. If you want to stack slivers of stonks, Cash App investing is allowing you to. If your favorite stonk is way too expensive, potentially like Tesla right now, you can buy as little as $1 using Cash App Investing. And because this directly connects to your bank account, you can stack sats and slivers of stonks right away. There's no four to five day waiting periods. Cash App Investing is a subsidiary square, a member SIPC. Uh, and Cash App, actually got to add this in, may also be your bank account. They're turning into a, a basically a high-tech bank. You can get an account number and a routing number and direct deposit your paychecks into the app now. Pretty dope. Um, as always, use the code StackingSats. That's one word, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $1. $1, excuse me, times that by 10 $10. And $10 is going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. <laughs> Fuck you, Owl. Enjoy this episode with Kevin Mulcrone. Take You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's a beautiful Thursday afternoon as we head into Fourth of July weekend here. I just got out of the water, not wearing a shirt. My nipples are showing on the Zoom call. I'm sorry, gentlemen. Uh, I'm joined. Matt Odell's with us, and we are sitting down. Yo, yo, yo. With Kevin with Kevin Mulcrone, uh, who's been creating dope multi-sig software. I uh, forked Caravan and made it compatible with Cold Card and. Uh, has recently released uh, the Lily Wallet, which has similar functionalities. We'll get into that 
at some point in this podcast, but uh, I did some research on Kevin's website, and he has an extremely uh, exciting background. Before we get to that, Kevin, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me on here, Mario and Matt. Hi, I'm excited to be talking. This is going to be a fun conversation. We're going to get a little economics in, uh, as well as some some technical details of the apps you've been building. Uh, We're going to talk about economics because you did a double major, or is this one major? Computer science uh, no. and philosophy, politics, and the public. Yeah, so it's it's a double major. Um, the philosophy, politics, and the public was like a uh, like an interdisciplinary philosophy and politics program at the at Xavier University where I went to school, um, and then I just tacked on the computer science for fun and to actually get a job. So, well, as somebody who studied economics, I burnt all my electives on philosophy uh, classes, and I always have really good conversations with people who studied philosophy in depth in college. Uh, I think it's very applicable to what we're doing with Bitcoin. And I think Bitcoin is very philosophically driven at the end of the day. And so your senior thesis paper was called free money, how distrust severed government's role in banking and why the civil war ruined it. Um, Cause you were interested in Hayek and the denationalization of money. What was the crux of that? Uh, paper and 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 how would you describe the free banking system as it existed in the late 1800s? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so my I think it was my my junior year of uh, college, uh, you know, I read Rota Serfdom in high school. Um, was pretty aware of of Hayek and like the Austrian school uh, by the time I hit college. And uh, in my junior year, I read the denation the denationalization of money. Um, which is like Hayek's book. It's like the argument for concurrent currencies. Um, and so in the book, he basically asks, you know, the question of like, why is it that money is different than like other commodities that exist on the open market? Um, and basically makes the argument that it should be treated just like any other, um, any other good that you buy in the open market. So anything like computers or, um, you know, corn or laptops or whatever. Um, and so you can like compete with that. And uh, so I read the book and was like, I uh, had to sit down for my thesis paper. I had to write a thesis for the philosophy and politics um, major and kind of started doing research on it and was curious to see if what Hayek had talked about in the book um, had ever actually existed at any point in history. Um, so um, started doing the research on that and actually found out that it did exist for this brief like 30-year 30 per- 30 period um, of time in the United States. And it was like right before the Civil War. It was right when um, Andrew Jackson killed the second bank of the United States. So I uh, kind of found that that existed, then uh, started doing research into like what that was, how it worked. And, um, and then, yeah, ultimately like wrote this thesis paper and made an argument about um, explaining how it worked, explaining why it came about, and then explained you know, my thoughts on, on why you know, it, it basically went away. Um, and we returned to this like uniform monopoly money um, that the government issued. Yeah, so let's dive into free banking a little bit. Free banking basically states that, or the, the way it would be structured is there there would be a reserve asset that was sort of agreed upon, but individual banks would be able to uh, use that reserve asset to issue their own currencies. Correct. Yeah, basically. Um, I mean, there was really no rules. Um, so you, you technically didn't even need uh, to have like a reserve, like you didn't need to have it backed by gold. Um, you would just have, you know, like 
the, the, the example I give in the paper is the Manhattan Company, which was a water company in New York City. Um, it's actually, if you look, if you, if you could do the lineage of it, it's actually what Chase is today. Um, they can go all the way back to the Manhattan Company. And um, yeah, it was like a water company in New York. And in the charter for their incorporation, it said that um, any like excess reserves, so any extra money that they had, they could lend out to other people. And that basically allowed them to function as a bank. Um, and so the free banking system, yeah, you could have like, you know, companies like the Manhattan Company, you could have um, like universities like, you know, Harvard, um, and they could basically, you know, issue banknotes because um, that was legal. And those banknotes usually were backed by something like gold or silver, and um, they could just operate as banks. So instead of having like one uniform currency, um, like the dollar or the greenback, um, you would have like these notes from like Harvard or from the Manhattan Company, and they would just like operate as as currency. So you would trade them back and forth for for milk or eggs or machinery or whatever. So. So how um. How did this wind up working out, and why did the Civil War sort of destroy it? Yeah, so so when you have a system like that, um, you know the government. Uh, so so when you have a system like that, you know, go, the only way government can like raise money is you can you can tax and you can borrow and you can print. And so um, when the government has when the government has monopoly on money, you know that printing is is an option, and that's like very much a tempting option to use to to raise money and to um, kind of meet the needs of, of government. Um, but when you have private currency, like under this free banking system, um, the government cannot print money because they do not issue money. So um, under the system, like you have all these banknotes that are in circulation, they all have uh, different values in relation to one another based on characteristics like, um, you know, how well known the company is, um, what reserves they have in their vaults. And so um, when the Civil War started to, to break out and the South seceded um, from the Union, um, this private currency was what was, this was like the system that we had. And so government, you either had to borrow or you had to tax. And um, they tried borrowing, but interest rates at the time were like 25, 30, 35%. So that was just like an unsustainable way of, of funding the Civil War. Um, and then taxing too, you know, like you're going through war, you can only tax so much. And, and they basically exhausted that as well. And so um, I think it was like Sam and Chase was, was Lincoln's uh, secretary of the treasury, was basically like, yeah, we need to have this, we need to be in control of the currency because we cannot pay for this war unless we are able to print more money. Um, and they use that money to you know, pay their soldiers, uh, to buy like the necessary equipment for the war. Um, and, and ultimately that's, so the civil war was basically what stopped this, this system from happening. They said, no more private currency. We're issuing our own currency, the greenback, and uh, we're going to use it to pay all the soldiers and to buy all their stuff. Was it, uh, was it temporary at the time when they initiated the greenback? They say, hey, we'll go back to this after the war, or did they? You know, um, that's a great question. I I want to say it was temporary. Uh, I, I saw wrote the paper about like three or four years ago. Um, I want to say it was probably supposed to be temporary, but, but like all things with government, um, once you start doing it, you know, it's hard to go. It's hard to go back. So um, I think that, yeah, they ultimately, you know, it, it never went back to the free banking system. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And so did your study of uh, 
this period in banking draw you to Bitcoin? Were you already interested in Bitcoin at this point? Um, how did how did you fall down the rabbit hole? Yeah, so I was thinking about this before I got on the show. So I uh, actually first heard about Bitcoin in um, I took AP Computer Science in high school. Um, I went to a really big high school. We had like four thousand kids, and so we had like a really solid AP program. And uh, so me and like I think there was like twelve or fifteen kids in this class, and we we were a bunch of we were a bunch of freaks. Uh, we were just like the weird <laughs> we were the weird kids. Um, in school and like we we had the class would be like we do like i think it met i forgot how many times it meet but it was like half the time like the teacher would be teaching and then the other half of the time it would be like uh kind of like group projects and like group programming and stuff and i remember uh there was this kid steven who was wicked he was like the smartest kid i think i've ever met um and he i remember i came in one day and him and his friends were kind of like sitting in the corner of the room and they were talking about how they were like mining bitcoin and uh, using it to buy um, things on, on Silk Road, and uh, so you know you're you're in high school and you're like oh, that's kind of cool. Like, and I remember he said, yeah, if you want, like, come over to my house after school and uh, we'll, we'll like get on our laptops and like you can like look at it. I was like, sweet, like that sounds dope. Um, so that's like kind of how I first heard about Bitcoin. Uh, so he was mining it, he was doing that. I didn't really like, I, I didn't buy anything, I didn't uh, do anything. I just kind of like was like, oh, that's cool. Um, didn't understand like what it even was. It was just like this anonymous currency that you can use online. Um, and then let's see. So yeah, that, 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 that all happened. But, um, I was really interested in economics since even before that in high school, I had a, my sophomore year of high school, I had a chemistry teacher, uh, Mr. Soppet, and, uh, he was a huge Ron Paul guy. So he, my dad had kind of like, I overheard like my dad talking about Ron Paul sometimes like at, at dinner and, um, Mr. Soffit was like talking about him like in class. And um, I remember he was like, yeah, you should read, you know, the Revolution of Manifesto, which is like Ron Paul's book when he was running in 2012. And uh, I read that and was just like, dude, this is, this makes so much sense. Um, so that's, and then, then I just went down like the Austrian rabbit hole. So I, I read like Economics of One Lesson uh, by Henry Hazlitt um, and went to like these, um, he encouraged me to go to these like Foundation for Economic Education um, summer seminars. So I went to like a few of those and um, yeah, just like really was into like the free market kind of like economics. Um, and it's, and so it's weird though, because those went like parallel. Like, so I, I was into that uh, new Bitcoin was the thing, but never really connected the dots between them um, until like 2017, basically. That's uh, you're lucky you got started down that path, the Austrian path early in life. I had, uh, I had to find it after college after I was in, indoctrinated with the Keynesian view. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Me and my brother joke. Uh, we, we, so this was like 2012-ish, 2011-ish. And uh, you know, I was like, yeah, like the Fed, they're just like printing so much money. It's ridiculous. We should buy gold. And uh, that was when gold was at like 1800 bucks. <laughs> so we bought, the top, <laughs> we, we bought the top of gold. And uh, actually, I sent him a text last week because it, it's kind of been going up a little bit. And um, I was like, dude, we might like break even after almost 10 years <laughs> it's the uh it's the best peter schiff meme going around it's like gold at 1200 bitcoin at one dollar <laughs> gold at 1200 bitcoin at twenty thousand. <laughs> exactly yeah so you know it's it's uh yeah it, it's just interesting um how those are kind of like ran parallel and uh didn't really connect the dots though until 
until like 2017. Um, I, I, it was weird. I didn't even like, it's kind of embarrassing to say, but I feel like I didn't even realize that there was like the 21 million limit on Bitcoin until then. Um, and then of course, once you realize that, then it's like, oh, this is gold. Like this is yeah. digital gold. So, so the, the whole like bull market crypto bonanza pull you back in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, basically what happened was, um, so in 2017, I, I didn't take classes my second semester of my senior year. Um, I just, I jammed all the credits in early in college. And so all I had to do my second semester was write that thesis paper. And, um, I got a job at a local startup in Cincinnati where I went to school and was working with, um, this other guy, uh, building this app and, uh, he was really into cryptocurrency too. And so 2017 was happening. And like, I remember we'd have like two monitors and like one of them always just had like coin market cap on it. And, um, so like, you know, we, we would just talk about it all the time. And, um, that was like when Ethereum was kind of like popping off too. And, uh, we were both into live music. So we, we went to concerts together and, um, we knew some like promoters in town that were into concerts and been putting on shows. Um, and one of the use cases that was like being shilled for Ethereum was you could do like live event ticketing. And um, basically the startup we were working for like ran out of money. Like they just didn't have any more money in the bank account. Um, and I remember they were like, the, the, the person that was running it came in and was just like, yeah, like we can't pay you guys this, this paycheck. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's lame. Um, <laughs> so they, they, they issued us, they gave us laptops though to work there. And so I told him, I was like, well, if we're out of money, I'm just going to take this laptop and uh, I'm going to go home. And this is mine now because this is my paycheck. And uh, we used those laptops then to make this like live event ticketing platform on Ethereum. Um, basically spent like two months doing that uh, and then realized that the tech there just like was not where it needed to be. Like we were just running into like really weird bugs. Um, and it just like wasn't really, it was slow like to propagate the block times. And uh, we ended up basically scrapping the Ethereum MVP and using just like a MongoDB uh, database for it. Um, Udi would love that story. Did yeah, you ICO anything? Idea. No, no, we were very, like yeah. we saw everything that was going on with the ICOs and I, I'm very risk averse. And I was like, I'm not gonna raise this money and like end up in jail you know in two years when it realizes that we, we can't do it very good call um, yeah so we, we were very we, we like bootstrapped everything because also like you know we had you know, it was this boom that was going on so we did have like some runway um on our own and i was still you know i was just out of college so i was still on my parents insurance and um so yeah we, we kind of take a stab at that um realized that ethereum wasn't the way to do it and in fact, it was weird because at the same time, um, I remember listening to Laura, Laura Shin's podcast and she had uh, Tur uh, Demister on it. And it was like the title of the podcast was like, why I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. And it was like the week after we kind of like scrapped the Ethereum thing and we're like, this is just, this isn't going to work for customers. Like we, we can't sell this product. Um, and he laid out like his maximalist position very succinctly, very well. Um, I remember like the one argument he made was like, just like the size of the blockchain was like humongous on Ethereum versus Bitcoin, which has been around for like double or triple as long. Um, and then also too, just like the amount of like smart PhD level developers that were working on Bitcoin versus like these kind of like, you know, JavaScript developers that were working on Ethereum. So, hey, uh, hey, 
<laughs> Kevin. <laughs> I'm just I'm just laying it out. <laughs> so yeah, so that happened, and um, yeah, and then we we kind of like went with the the ticketing thing for a few more months. We actually like used it in two or three different events, um, and then actually the third event. Um, we actually had this like ticket fraud happen where this guy in New York um, had basically like stolen a bunch of credit cards and was using, he was using the stolen credit cards to buy tickets for this festival that was going on. Uh, he would then transfer the tickets onto our ticketing platform, like the resale market, and then would then sell it to people and then charge back the credit cards. Um, mm, classic. So that Very elaborate. Yeah. So that happened. And um, so like we, you know, we were basically out like, four or five thousand dollars and we were like all right this is we can't do this anymore and uh uh so we, we ended up like just closing shop on that hey you built something you tried yeah it seems like actually, a, a... well if you would have had bitcoin like that would have that wouldn't have happened you know there's no charge right? so yeah exactly but i mean covid would have killed your business regardless so <laughs> yeah so it was a blessing in disguise for sure uh I notice that you're you're in the bluegrass. My sister has me listen to Billy Strings these days. Oh yeah, Billy Strings. I just he was he plays Denver all the time. Uh, I saw him back in December at the Ogden. I was supposed to be in Boulder a few weeks ago, but yeah, everything's everything is on pause right now. So yeah, that dude can play the strings, man. I'm a big bluegrass yeah. fan myself. It's a it's a great type of music, great genre. Yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, when you live in when you live in Cincinnati, Kentucky for six years, that's huge. So um, that's kind of how I got the bug on that. Yeah, what? Uh, who's your favorite blues bluesgrass artist? Um, Billy Strings is definitely up there. Um, I'm a big Tony Rice guy. Like that's classical bluegrass. And then um, who else? I mean, I was big like Yonder Mountain String Band uh, guy, um, Jeff Austin, and. Um, yeah, I mean, we get a ton of bluegrass out here in Colorado. So uh, I was supposed to be a Telluride um, two weeks ago, but of course that got canceled. So um, it's just, it's great music. I love it. It is great music. Um, it's good high vibes music. Like if you're just looking to be be happy while listening yeah. to music, blue, bluegrass is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. It's good, good car music, good bike music. Yeah. <laughs> so reason we tapped you on the shoulder to come on this podcast because of the work you've been doing uh with multi-sig particularly with um you sort of forked unchained's caravan and made it compatible with cold card which many users have been waiting for for quite some time uh and uh recently you released lily which seems to be like a standalone uh multi-sig wallet app uh, it has a really cool UX, and again, this is, I mean, I'll let you explain it. Uh, so is Lily basically a fork of what you, of the fork of Caravan that you forked in uh, a standalone <laughs> product? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I, I bought, um, I think Cold Card was running a sale on Cold Cards, like, back in January, and, um, or maybe December, or something like that, and so I ended up buying three just because I was interested, um, I think you guys were talking about multi-sig on the podcast, and, um, had was kind of just like interested in like how that would all work. Um, so I bought three cold cards just cause I was curious and they kind of just sat in a drawer for like two months. Um, and then when COVID happened, I was, uh, laid off my job. And so went back to Chicago and was like, damn, all right, well, 
let's figure out like let's see if we can figure out how multi-sig works and um see if we can put some coins in it and um so i looked at caravan you guys have always been talking about caravan so i was like all right let's let's start here um and was messing around with that and it was really nice uh, but it didn't support cold card so um, I emailed the guys from Unchained and was like, hey, I've got these cold cards. I'm trying to use it with Caravan because this is like a nice interface to use it with. I don't want to use like command line and all that stuff. Um, and they kind of got back to me. Uh, I like bounced some ideas off them. They got back to me and we eventually figured out um, like the cold card kitchen uh, product. And um, so once that I got that all working, um, I still had and I was still not working. So I was like, let's just go and build like a full-fledged wallet um because i looked at we talked about this a little bit before the show but i was looking just at the wallet landscape and um and and the multi-sig wallet landscape and they're all just like very like so electrum um wasabi they're, they're all great products and they have a ton of great features but they're very like technical and um when i was back home in chicago you know i'm with my parents and my brother and just like w watching them interact with technology um it was like I'm never gonna be able to, you know, get them to use any of these wallets. Um, but like multi-sig, I feel like is like going to be like the foundation for how you secure Bitcoin. Um, like right now, you know, you use like a phone wallet or like a one hardware wallet. Um, but I think in the next few years, you know, everybody's gonna use multi-sig just because if you lose that hardware wallet, then like all your money's gone. Um, so to be able to like cycle those keys. Um, and then also like with what I think like Unchained's ultimately going to do is like you have like the one, uh, like a company hold on to one of those keys and that gives you a little bit more peace of mind. Um, so it's just, yeah, I was just trying to like explore this like multi-sig and how it worked, got it working with, with Caravan and then was like, well, let's just like go and build like a full fledged wallet. Um, mainly because too, like I just wanted, like I wanted a wallet for myself. Um, and I just didn't really want to use any of the options that were out there already. And, uh, so I kind of sat down and just started coding on it and uh, building out these interfaces that I thought looked pretty good and made sense. And, uh, and um, yeah, and then just threw it out on Twitter and, you know, see what, see what would happen. How's the feedback been? Has anybody hop into the GitHub with you to sort of play around with it or? Yeah, no, the, the, the response has been incredible. Honestly, I'm blown away. Um, I, the amount of, you know, engagement that was on those tweets was really high. I got a bunch of like DMs from people saying like, good job. Um, and I've had a, a pretty decent group of people um, who have been using it and then have been giving me feedback on it. Um, like Bitcoin Rabbi, for example, like he was sending, he's been sending me a bunch of messages uh, messing around with it. Um, he just bought like another cold card. So, cause, so right now it only works with cold card. Um, that's definitely like number one on my list of, of next steps is supporting other uh, hardware wallets. Um, but he brought another cold card and was like, yeah, like I'm super stoked to, to set it up and, and use it. And um, so he's been giving me a lot of feedback. I have a few other people on Twitter that have been giving me feedback. Um, but it's, it's been super supportive. I mean, um, I'm, I'm really just blown away by the amount of, of, of positive feedback that people have, have given me. So, so it's a great it, community. It only works with cold card, but it, it recognizes a treasure when you plug it in and shows the little treasure image, right? So, so yeah, that's a little, I won't, I don't call it a bug, but, uh, I did like before releasing it out, I, I do have a treasure and I was like, um, all right, let's see if I can get it to work with that. Uh, just like plug it in and see if it works. And, uh, it does cause it uses Andrew Chow's HWI library. So I need to put some sort of, um, 
like protection on that to uh, basically only use cold card. If it's something else, just like kind of throw it away. Um, yeah, that was or, a- or the better idea is just to support those, those hardware wallets. It was a little bit confusing yeah. to me because like treasure is like my fuck around device specifically because uh-huh. the treasure T it's really easy to put in the pass raise. So like when you're fucking around with test multi-sigs, you can just keep mm-hmm. putting a different pass raise in and, and just use the same hardware wallet, even though that doesn't really help you in the real world. Um, so I was like fucking around with your wallet and my first instinct was to use the treasure. The other, th- yeah. I mean, the other thing is, I mean, one of the key things we talk about here with multi-sig is one of the benefits it brings you is if one of these hardware wallets is insanely compromised, like has its back door or something like that, or just a huge vulnerability, uh, mm-hmm. using multiple manufacturers is obviously, a, it, it reduces your risk uh, by using multi-sig with multi, multiple manufacturers. So I assume that's like a big goal of yours is to is to be able to add that and maybe even like add a key, right? Right now, Lily doesn't support the ability to use Lily as one of the signing keys, right? Yeah, so what, um, so, so two things on that. So yeah, definitely by adding support for these other hardware wallets, you like distribute risk better. So if there's a bug in, in cold card, um, you know, if you have all three cold cards, like that's just going to be, that's not good. But if you distribute it among like a ledger, a treasure and a, and a cold card, then you're distributing the risk and saying like, okay, two of these devices should be okay. Um, or should not be, have a vulnerability in them. Um, but yeah. And then number two, yeah, it would be really nice. And I thought about this when I was adding the HD wallet functionality was, It'd be really nice to, yeah, just be able to kind of create like a, a non-hardware wallet key and use that to sign as well. Yeah. So then you have like a cold card, a treasure, a cold card and ledger, and then Lily as the other key. Exactly. Yeah. So then you can, um, then, yeah, you don't need to pull out like two hardware devices um, to sign the transaction. You can pull out the one and then sign with Lily. Um, well, not even Lily, because Lily's just like the is like the thing that encapsulates all the hardware devices. So you'd actually just create like another HD wallet yeah. and yeah, name it whatever. Well, that's uh, one thing I really liked is the UX, like with the cold card, like pulling the XPUB key by clicking on the image. Yeah. How did, yeah. uh, how'd you, how'd you think of that? And how does that work technically? Yeah. So, you know, I sat down and I was like, really thinking i've had a lot of time to think because i haven't been working so uh was thinking about you know what how do you connect like these physical devices that work in the real world and and how do you like connect that to your computer and how do you kind of mentally for a user uh create that link and um i think like apple i think i might have taken some stuff from like apple and like when you import like an iphone you know, there's like this like blinking stuff that happens or like when you connect like a Bluetooth device, you know, there's like the blinking is kind of like the something's going on here. Um, just like hold up, you know, so something's happening. Um, and uh, that's kind of like, yeah, where I, where I came up with that. Because um, it was like, you know, Bitcoin's confusing in the fact that like you have all these letters and numbers in different cases. And, and again, if like my mom and my brother are trying to use it, like they don't want, they don't know what any of that stuff is. It's, it's very intimidating. And uh, so I was like, well, you have this physical device that exists in the real world. So just like throw a picture on the screen and like that's, you can then make that connection mentally. Um, 
And that mental model, I think, I was actually talking to somebody on Twitter about this, that mental model actually brings like a additional sense of security, I think, because you aren't like double, you're not second guessing yourself um, on like what's going on. You're not like rechecking like these addresses or these ex-pubs. Um, so, so yeah, that was kind of, uh, yeah, where I, where I came up with that. But just right really now in the... So what's Right now in the setup, what? you have to connect the cold card, right? Like, you have to connect it through USB. You can't, like, paste an XPUB in or import a file or something like that with the SD card. Yeah, so right now it's all, um, you have to, so it uses HWI, which is Andrew Chow's library. Um, yeah. So you have to physically connect it to the USB. Um, that's another feature that's definitely in the pipeline is you can either paste, like, copy and paste an XPUB um, or use, you know, cold card uses, um, you can just like export, so you can export a file that has that information in it. Um, and actually, I've, I've kind of thought about like the design on that. You, it would just be you'd have like the pictures coming up, but you could also just do like additional import options, um, and that would give you the opportunity to connect, you know, either like a a, a wallet that you generated on the fly within Lily, um, or pull up a file and and import that file, and it would do it would do the work. Because um, yeah, there's definitely I'm I'm. It's a nice user experience to plug them in and connect them that way. But, um, you know, from like a security perspective, you know, you want to have like an air gap kind of thing. Um, That's why I tried to test it with the Trezor instead of the cold cards because I didn't want to plug in my cold cards. Yeah. And actually, so another interesting quote unquote bug is if you plug in, a, am pretty sure if you plug in another type of hardware wallet, like a keep key or like a ledger, um, it'll probably come up as a Trezor because <laughs> there's just like... There's just <laughs> There's an if else statement in there that's like if it's not cold card, throw up treasure. So um, that's why it's got a, the beta, beta you know, logo on it. So I love it. No, there's, I mean, again, from U- UX has been a hot topic on Bitcoin Twitter this week. A oh, bunch of people it? fucking yeah. fighting about that. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm impressed with the UX. And again, if if, if people are running safe computers which you can never assume uh you can probably assume that not every computer is going to be uh infected with malicious malware i mean this this seems like a good onboarding process the multi-sig and then uh, the way you describe it too and the thread that you announced when you announced lily like yeah like eventually like if this works and gets out of beta you can just set up the multi-sig and plug the xpub in the btc pay server you can plug it into uh exchanges that uh, start rolling out non-custodial uh, offerings like River and Swan and Unchained actually as well. And, yeah. and then you can import the HD wallets into software like Blue Wallet. Would that be a, a watch-only type scenario? So, so you can do... Um, so the way I have it set up right now is you can create like a HD wallet within Lily and then you can export it to Blue Hub or not Blue Hub, Blue Wallet using um, like a QR code. Uh, but you could, um, I know they have like watch only capability. I have to look into the docs a little bit more because you could create like a watch only for like the, um, multi-sig, I would assume. Um, and that'd be nice because then you can like watch and make sure none of that money is moving. Um, but that was the other thing I was thinking about too. Like my, um, with some of these other wallets is like, you can only load like one wallet at a time. And for me, like what's really cool about Bitcoin is like, you can just create these, you can create a new wallet in like a second. You can create hundreds of them and it doesn't cost anything. Um, 
so it's nice to like be able to to create new wallets and kind of have I'm like an organization freak so like you have like these different accounts for different purposes so if you're like saving up for like a new car or maybe like you you trade bitcoin and like you have like a trading account um you you can you can basically like organize your money a little bit better um and 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 kind of replicate like a, a more like tr traditional banking experience like when i sign on to chase uh you know i have my checking account i have a savings account i have like my credit card account um i think that's a, an experience that people are very very used to and so if we could replicate that with bitcoin um i think people again would just be really comfortable uh with that yeah i think that's one thing that ui is much needed i think just having a bunch of utxs spread across different wallets and trying to remember uh what each one is for and where where the utxs came from yeah uh, it's a problem that needs to be solved and it, i mean i think it is being solved and um but yeah i'm very much looking forward to that experience where you can have clear uh delineation between different accounts and sources mm -hmm. of utxs yeah and again from like a risk perspective too like you're distributing your risk then too so if your key gets compromised for your dollar cost averaging on river um, you know, you're only out the amount of money that's in that account. Uh, if you have it distributed, like your, your BTC pay money and your river DCA money is separated. And so if you lose one of those keys, like you're only out that money. Um, and then two, like, you know, with, with BTC pay server, let's say like you, you, every two weeks you, you create, you get your money in. Um, and then you have like, you know, let's say like 15 or 20 UTXOs, you can then consolidate those, put them into your vault which is great because actually like cold card, I think you can only do like 20 UTXOs um, or else it kind of starts to break. So you, you do have to like consolidate your UTXOs um, within cold card. Um, what do you mean? Yeah. Before it jumps forward or? Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah. yeah, there's, um, I, it's in the documentation, but basically like, because there's only so much memory, I, I think it's, the, I think this is the case. There's only so much memory. Uh, it can only process like, 20 utxos at a time so if you if you're only sending in like you know 0. 0.0001 bitcoin each utxo um your cold card actually like won't be able to process that i'm pretty sure oh, no um, i think it's i think it when it comes time to spending if you combine a certain number of utxos together yeah that, that's what i mean yeah so if you go to spend um, yeah. You can only do like ten, like twenty or so UTXOs. So, so eventually, like you will want to, and Lily will. I'll, this is on my list of things to do too. Is we, we, uh, it looks up, you know, the UTXOs and it displays them. And if you do kind of start hitting that that maximum, uh, kind of like threshold, um, I want to have like a message that's like, hey, you need to like consolidate. You need to like send a transaction and consolidate these. Um, which when we get like coin swap will be sweet because then we can like again you can use these utxos and uh uh kind of shield um like the history on that so yeah fascinating so what uh what's the the plan for lily are you just sort of going with the flow right now do you want to you're said you're currently uh on the sidelines uh in this job market like do you, is this an opportunity for you to try to make this like a full-fledged product product and project if if you will yeah um yeah so i've been thinking about that a lot since releasing it um you know initially i was just like throw it out on twitter see see what happens um you know if nobody likes it and says it's garbage then okay 
if they do like it, then maybe do something else with it. And so I, like I said, I, I did get a really good response from people. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in the process right now of just reaching out to, um, reaching out to some folks and, and figuring out, yeah, is there a path that I can, um, basically continue working on it, um, either full-time or like a, like a three-fourths capacity or something. And, um, and yeah, continue. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that I want to put into it. So if we can continue building on it, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah, obviously talking with like Square, um, and what they're doing with the crypto stuff. And, uh, I know like Kraken, I think is like giving out grants as well. So, um, I gotta do a little bit more research on it, but yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think it's so far with the response from the community, I think it's worth, uh, continuing to build on. Um, and I've got like a laundry list of stuff that I would like to do with it. So what's, uh, what's on that laundry list that we haven't spoke about yet? Well, yeah. So obviously like the treasure and lighter support, uh, the, so right now, like there's, some performance issues on it. Um, the way I just have it written is a little bit, uh, could definitely be optimized for speed. Um, adding, so right now it relies on block streams, uh, basically relies on block stream. So um, being like full node compa uh, capability, uh, which would be sweet. Um, and then once you get full node, then you can do start doing stuff with like lightning, which would be awesome. So like the same way you make an HD wallet, um, you could create like a new lightning wallet um, and actually you know, uh, open up channels from the hardware wallet and have the channels close to the hardware wallet. And so you have like this hot wallet of, of, of lightning going, which would be really nice again for, um, using Bitcoin in more of like a traditional spending financial situation. Um, what else? Oh, a big one is, uh, so like right now, um, with the multi-sig setup it's right now, it actually does not make a whole lot of sense. Um, you're like not using the full capabilities of multi-sig because all your devices have to be within reach of the computer. So you have like, you know, what's the use of multi-sig, I guess, except if like one of the devices dies, but you ideally would like to have like a distributed, um, you know, key setup with multi-sig. And so being able to export, uh, be, be, being able to sign a transaction, take that PSBT that's been signed, like encrypt it with PGP or something, send it somewhere else, and then have like another computer, you know, distributed somewhere else, be able to pull that down, and then you can sign it again. Like that's like how multi-sig should be should be used. Um, so like so being, being, basically being able to like paste in PSPTs um, and sign would be really nice. Um, yeah, so stuff like that. I have a couple yeah, others. So and then two, uh, one more thing is like eventually, well, a uh, coin selection. So right now, like it's just an automatic algorithm that does coin selection, uh, fee, um, being able to set a fee. I just use like, you know, whatever's going to do the next block. Um, and then also like all this stuff that's coming out with a uh, coin swap, I just find to be like extremely fascinating. Um, and so I would definitely like to add support for that once that's fleshed out and, and, and ready. How do you see that? Right. being implemented a little late. Would you like create markets for it or? Uh... Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean like once they start, well, so that's the interesting thing. So it's kind of a, yeah, you, you need to have like a wallet that's able to do that. Um, and then, yeah, we, I just read the, the paper last week or the, the mailing list posting last week. Yeah. You need it. We need to build out like these like liquidity markets for that. Um, and, but yeah, I mean like once that happens, like then you just tie it into the wallet and yeah, you can kind of do these, these markets for 
for privacy. Um, yeah. But how, let's walk me through a little bit more how that would work, like creating those markets. Like, would Lily just be able to connect you to a, like a, a liquidity pool of other people looking to coin pool, or would people have to download Lily? Um, would there be like a Lily coin pool marketplace that's sort of well, so that would be, so that would be, so that's like two questions there. So, um, somebody definitely needs to make, uh, and, um, man, what's his, Chris, um, Belcher, Belcher, Belcher. Yeah. So like his paper kind of goes in or his posting on the mailing list goes in and, and says, you know, basically you make like an HTTP server that like you can query and then it'll give you back kind of like some information and you can like build a, uh, you connect market makers and market takers, and then you can like build these transactions. Um, so that would be like a totally different product. I don't, I don't, I don't know like what would go on with that. Um, but you could then tie it into Lily. So like Lily would then you could say like I want to have like a privacy transaction. Um, I'm willing to spend a little bit more money for it, um, and it would then ping one of those servers and get that information back, construct the transaction, and then you'd have like this coin swapped transaction. Um, so it's like an in wallet API call on us to the, to the coin pool protocol. Exactly. Yeah. And it, what's interesting about that, it makes me think of, so I used to work, um, the la the company I worked at before building Lily, we did a, we had a submarine swap product, very similar to uh, lightning loop. And, um, we were like market makers on that product. So like we put up, um, our own Bitcoin and you could then, uh, basically paste in a lightning transaction. Uh, we would send you back like an address and an amount of money to spend or to send to that address. You would do that. We would monitor the blockchain and then we would like pay that lightning invoice. So it'd be a very similar system to that where um, basically you say, I want to send this money to this address, um, send this amount of Bitcoin to this address. You'd send that up to a server. The server would then respond back to you with like a, a quote unquote price to do that. And then in the information, if you wanted to do that, if you wanted to accept that price to send coins there and, uh, and then it would do that kind of like in the background. With, um, with CoinSwap, it's going to be set up pretty much exactly the same as join market, except he's mm -hmm. trying to remove the IRC server. That is the, the coordination right now with join market, but it's the same exact idea where you have like mark, market makers and market takers. Um, so on the taker side, you can jump into that pool, like pretty much on demand. Uh, and you would just have Lily on the side, just generating the keys in this situation is my, exactly. is how I would, how, how I would view it. Yeah. I think again, I, have to, I probably have to look at the paper again, but I was, I was reading it last week and, and that, that's basically how it would work is, and which is a great user experience because yeah, you don't have to go into an IRC channel. Like you just basically within the wallet, it's like one click, um, or maybe two clicks to accept. And um, it would just ping the server that I think in the paper he says, like you could just run it on like a Raspberry Pi. So like for more highly technical Bitcoin users that maybe have like, you know, more than 6.15 Bitcoin, you, um, <laughs> you put, you know, you basically run this thing on like a Raspberry Pi um, and people then can like query um, your stuff and uh, you can then basically participate in these liquidity markets and and make some more Bitcoin uh, as a result of that, which I think is is, is very cool. Um, being able to use your Bitcoin that is just laying there dormant and um, making money off of it by providing liquidity in these markets for 
for coin swap, and then you can also do it for like lightning um, for these like submarine swaps. To go yeah. to go back to the laundry list, uh, uh, the simpler side of the laundry list is coin swap is still in development uh, yeah. right now. Can we? I, like I like I said, I have not tested this with cold card because I don't have any cold cards around that I'm willing to plug into my computer. Uh, mm-hmm. I tried to test it with Trezor and it didn't work. Uh, <laughs> the does it verify on device yet the receive addresses? Um, I be- so that was like the the thing that came up a few weeks ago, like the Segwit bug. No, I want I want to be able to verify my receive addresses on the device because otherwise you're trusting Lily to show you the correct receive address. And in that situation, malware could basically show an attacker's address or if Lily's compromised when you download it, it could just show you an attacker's address. So then you end up, instead of sending it to your multisig vault, you're sending it to the attacker. So if you yeah. verify it on the device, then the actual device needs to be compromised, right? Yeah, so I'd have to um, I have to look into that. Because um, yeah, I, I, I yeah I have to look into that. I'm not sure. The one thing I will say is that because again going back to like distributing risk is if you're unsure or a little bit hesitant about it, you can always export the vault's uh, caravan file and then import it into caravan and see if that's lining up if it's giving you the same address. Um, but I don't know if that's like a sufficient. Ideally um, on a different computer, computer, but yeah, you I could did, do that. Yeah. Uh, and then an even simpler laundry list item. Is there a reason why uh, a wallet name needs to be seven characters? Oh, um, not really. I just think it looks, I think it looks better if it has seven. <laughs> I, so I like, it took me about 15 minutes to troubleshoot the seven characters because oh, it doesn't give okay. you a warning. So I just, I wanted I wanted my wallet to be called test, you know, and I just um, yeah. And then I did test test and it worked, and I figured it out. That's what happened. Gotcha. Yeah, um, yeah. I definitely need to get some better um, error messages on that. Um, or, yeah. <laughs> That's like the simplest else? level of the laundry list, though. Yeah, we got some uh, some UX feedback here on the podcast. Yeah. Well, there's also I know there's a pull request open right now. Uh, I'm not, I don't. I apparently don't make it very clear that the config files download to the downloads folder. Um, so there's a PR that somebody opened up um, that adds like another page that's like, hey, your config files in your downloads. Check that because Bitcoin Rabbi actually said that too. He's like, where's my config file? Um, and somebody else obviously had that same issue and, and opened up a PR. So that usually goes where in like the application in the folder under application right uh no just like your downloads folder um which is fine it just should tell you that's all you just gotta yeah you just gotta tell them yeah it's encrypted Uh, and put in your downloads folder so then when you load up lily lily's stateless so you when you load up lily every time you have to open the the most recent config file and then you have to put in your encryption password but when you go to the open thing you're not exactly sure the first time you use it where the file is located. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that needs to be made a little bit more explicit. Um, eventually, and I, I got some pushback on this, and actually I'd be kind of curious to hear your thoughts on this, Matt, is um, like I, I thought about like adding some sort of like cloud support for the files. So instead <gasps> of downloading to the downloads folder, it just like uh, downloads to like iCloud or, or Google Drive. Um, I think that that, from like a UX perspective, 
is a little bit nice because then you don't have to like worry about keeping track of those files and like if your computer dies or whatever. But I know then you're like kind of trusting, you know, Google and if and you Apple. do that, you should choose the encryption password for the user because they're not gonna because the only thing standing between their wallet getting compromised. I guess if it's multi-sig vault, it doesn't matter as much because you still need the devices. Mm-hmm. But if it's for the HD wallet, the only thing standing in between uh, someone compromising their wallet, um, if they get access to the cloud drive, and and it could be Google or Apple, right? Like we got to include them in the threat model is the encryption mm-hmm. password. And people suck at making encryption passwords. I mean, my, my test encryption password was Bitcoin, which is probably... <laughs> horrible password uh so if you like generate i like what cold card does for their encrypted backups which aren't even stored to the cloud is they generate a 12 word seed phrase that is your password gotcha yeah so i'll have to look at like what yeah what they do and um yeah that's what about that that's what casa does casa saves on their single sig product mobile wallet they save to the cloud for convenience but they don't let you choose the encryption password they do it do okay. I have to look into how do they choose what that password is. I, you know, look, it's a closed source <laughs> app, so like, don't use it as like a complete uh, rubric for what you should do. But okay. I'm, my understanding <laughs> is is you have a Casa email and password, and then they're encrypting it and keeping that secret, and then. Oh, gotcha. And then you use your email and password to basically access their secret that they keep hidden. I wouldn't do it that way. What I would do is I would basically give them a word phrase, just like you do when you generate the single, the single key HD wallet. Give them a word yeah. phrase. Say, this is your password. It's saved to the cloud. You need this word phrase to, to get in. Even if it's just gotcha. like a, like a six-word phrase randomly generated it's going to be better than whatever password they do and you can give them like an advanced toggle you know advanced mm-hmm. create your own password with a little warning tooltip or something yeah that's how i would do seems it seems like seems like so many steps so many well, steps to encrypt all this stuff yeah and that's you know that, that's like the fun part about this is like figuring out you know sitting down and figuring out okay how do this is how it works how do we make this easier how do you make it so like my mom or my brother could could figure it out and not have to keep track of, you know, a bajillion things. Um, but yeah. yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on, you said previously you were working on something similar to a submarine swap in which you guys were creating markets and liquidity. What was that experience like? And uh, like, what's it like market making for, for these types of products? Um, I mean, so we, I mean, you basically just put up, you, you've, put up Bitcoin. Um, so we were, we were doing market making because we, you know, it's like a chicken and the egg problem. It's like, um, okay, we have the submarine swap service. Um, do we, uh, you know, you, you need people to use it to like use it to, um, what am I trying to say here? You need people making, you know, having, putting up Bitcoin to put onto lightning, um, in order for people to want to refill it on lightning. Um, so we basically, we made the product. We were like, we'll be the initial market makers on that. And, um, and yeah, so you kind of just have like a hot wallet and it pings a server and then we give a response back. I don't think we were making much money on it, but, um, 
eventually then you would open it up and allow other people to kind of like tie into the same server, give like a rate of like, this is how much, um, how much, uh, what is the word? How much like the gap between prices, um, the spread. Yeah. Spread how much spread you're going to give. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of like compete on that, um, that level. Yeah. So I was curious to see if it's profitable. I'm just thinking of it like incentives to, to build these privacy markets in the future. Yeah. Um, I don't know how profitable they are, to be honest. I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat profitable. I don't think you're going to be like making a whole bunch of money. The one nice thing though is again, what excited me about it was like you, I, if you have just Bitcoin that is just sitting there, um, and you don't have to use all your Bitcoin, but maybe you put up like half a Bitcoin or like one Bitcoin and, um, you can make some additional sats by just running a program on your computer. Um, and you're being, you're making money, you're making additional sats that, um, you know, are KYC, uh, free and you're, uh, you know, providing liquidity to these networks, which is good for lightning. Um, because also like, I mean, eventually like if I added lightning support for Lily, what would be the ideal user experience is like you open up a channel with some routing node for let's say, uh, 0.25 Bitcoin. Um, and then once you like exhaust that channel, once you spend that 2.5 Bitcoin, um, to refill it, you would just use a submarine swap. So you would just say, I need to send uh, additional 0.2 Bitcoin here. And, uh, we would just give you an address, which would be from, uh, that, that liquidity market. And then you just send it to the address and then we would push the, push the sats, sats on back, on your back, side. back to you, which is great. Cause then you, you save on fees. Um, you're that lightning node, you know, you're not closing and opening channels and for the user, that's great because it's like, you literally feel like all you're doing is just throwing more money into that account. Um, so there's really, you don't even know that there's any sort of swapping going on. You're just like you, from a user perspective, you're just like throwing more Bitcoin into there. Please put your phone on airplane mode. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, no, I'm messing with you. I'm uh, I'm notoriously bad on that on our HR. Yeah, Marty's uh, like a professional podcaster at this point, and it happens to him all the fucking time. So don't <laughs> don't feel too bad. Uh, no, but I love I love your focus on UX and and Lily seems like a base a base product for for a vision that you want to see brought to fruition. Like, so what what are your long term views for Bitcoin as a network and uh, like, wh- like, what possibilities do you think exist for any anywhere from multi sig to to what you can do on Lightning? Yeah, well, so that makes me think of two things. Number one, uh, yeah, so Lily for me, uh, not to get like you know, I'm a philosophy major, so not to get super heady, but like you know, Bitcoin. Get you heady. Start, you start with, um, you know, you start with like your your seed phrase, and so you plant your seeds, and then a flower grows, and so that's like what Lily is is it's the flower that unfolds and it blooms, and um, and it's also a great jumping off point for other things in Bitcoin. So you, you know, you start off on Coinbase or no, you don't, you start off on river and you start second stats on there. And then eventually you want to get into like the self custody game. And so then you, you download Lily and then you say, oh, I want to do lightning. And then you start doing that and then you're like, oh, I want to run a full node. And so that's like kind of like your jumping off point for, for Bitcoin. Um, for long term though, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot recently too. Um, I just, and I've been talking to some people about it too, is like, um, I, I just think that right now is it's just like a time game. 
I mean, going back to Hayek, we're just building a competing currency. Um, you know, we're, we're building a currency to compete with the dollar. And um, I, I'm extremely optimistic. Um, I don't think it's like, I don't think, I don't know if I subscribe to like hyper Bitcoinization per se. I think it will be like a long process, but you look at like what Pierre says and like Bitcoin is like the best savings technology that has ever existed. Um, and I think more people over time will just kind of wake up to that and uh, start putting, you know, small amounts of money into it. And, uh, you know, 1% of their wealth, 2% of their wealth, start DSAing into it. And uh, I just think over time, um, you know, we will have that SATS standard. And um, if you look at it, it's like we're competing against the dollar and the dollar is like, what an opponent to uh, compete against. So bad. Um, so I think we have, I'm pretty optimistic. David versus Goliath. Mm -hmm. So you think it's a little, the timeline's a little bit more drawn out than some, some might think, which is probably where I stand as well. I think it's going to take a lot longer than people expect. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's like the dollars, like, I mean, it's the world reserve currency. It's been there forever. People get paid in it. Um, I think it will be like a slow and gradual process where people, um, you know, maybe you start selling like, uh, you open up a PTC pay server store and like you want to accept Bitcoin just because you want to have it on the side. Um, and yeah, I just, I just think, I don't know. I, I would like it to be a fast process. Although I do think there's like some societal implications to that. Um, that are not good if like you have a currency collapse. Um, so, you know, it'd, it'd be nice if it was like a gradual process. So it would be, it would be, um, no, Nick Carter tweeted that out. Like, hey, I, I don't want doomsday scenario, but I sure as hell want to be prepared for it if it does come. Exactly. Yeah, and I think that that's I think that's a good mindset to be in. I I I'm not a big fan of like championing like the dollar collapsing. Like that'd be terrible. All my parents, my parents' retirement is in the dollar. Like that would suck. That would suck. So, um, I, I think the slow gradual process is is good, and I think that like you know younger people um, are definitely more open to to these technologies. But I think also too, like as Bitcoiners, it's our responsibility to to create those tools and create the experience and create the technology that can compete with the dollar um, and is better and obviously better and uh, easy to use. So that's that's kind of like where my head's at too with Lily is like, let's build. If you want it to happen, build it. I think you got a good head on your shoulders. If not me, then who? That's, exactly. Uh, that's what you have to apply to Bitcoin. And it's crazy, right? Like, hey, you, some random dude, can just decide, <laughs> hey, I'm going to build this software, and hopefully it makes Bitcoin stronger against the dollar and more useful and provides utility to Bitcoiners. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's sweet. Um, you know, a guy I used to work with, I never thought about it this way, but it's like Bitcoin is really, he was into it because it was like Bitcoin is like programmable money. I think um, that gets a little bit drawn under the rug. Um, but it, it's, it's really, I mean, it's, I think it's just fascinating that like, yeah, on your computer, on my computer that I got because they didn't pay me money at my old job, uh, I can create this tool that um, the people interact with and, and there's like real value behind it and there's no permission. I do not have to apply for a bank account. I do not have to ask anybody any permission. Um, and you can like build these tools that, that, that manage money. It's awesome. That's uh. Now that we're talking about tools that manage money, one thing that would be cool, another uh, product wish list, 
is something like BTC pays transmuter where like if you have a certain amount of funds and a hot wallet on the lightning or something that you can automatically sweep them back to the multi-sig. Mm-hmm. Um, like just think of those functionalities down the line, like uh, hit threshold X move to wallet X or wallet Y. You got to use different variables there. Yeah. I think uh, I saw something on Twitter the other day. If somebody used the term, it might have been on the show too, it, it was the term like lazy holdler. Um, and it was like, I, I think that that is another kind of area that we should look at too, is you like just automate, and it really does this a little bit with the XPubs, but you can automate just like your Bitcoin savings plan. And uh, you can like DCA from, from River and you just like set it and forget it. Um, I think that that would be, and going back to the threshold stuff, like the same thing, you just threshold automate that once you hit point whatever Bitcoin, sweep it into into the the vault. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. I actually need to set up our BTC pay transmuter to start doing that more. Um, so I think, uh, I mean, it, it seems like everything's getting more robust like the those functionalities it's, that's why i wanted to bring you on it's so promising to see you sort of building uh this product out of nowhere presumably like i i didn't um you popped on my radar when you when you added the qu- cold card functionality um at the first fork of caravan and it's just and that's actually sh- disclaimer on chains to fucking sponsor this podcast but they're a fucking uh, sponsor <laughs> it's um it's uh no it's encouraging to see that people are working with their open source libraries to, to build this stuff out and um your evidence that open sourcing this stuff will lead to different options which is which is what we want in the f- overall is optionality right totally and again going back to the risk profile or the risk uh distribute distribution it's it's great. That's what you want, and I'm starting to see what they do. I'm starting to see what Unchained does. Um, I, I think that the like multi they they are building a, a company and a product. I think that is um, is what Bitcoin needs, and um, they're doing it in like this very Bitcoin way, um, all open source. Um, you're in control of your keys with the two or three, and like the service that they're gonna. I think they offer now, or like they're going to offer, is like you know they hold the one key that you sign with. I think people really like that. I think people really, I think Bitcoin needs that because at the end of the day, like you want a phone number, you want somebody on the other end of the line that you can call and be like, hey, uh, is all my money gone? <laughs> or like, <laughs> is, is my stuff secure, you know? Um, so that's that's good too. I think that like, um, um, I, we're starting to see that yeah, kind of people move more into like this service aspect of Bitcoin that's a little bit more customer friendly. Um, while still maintaining, though, the core values of Bitcoin and the cypher, cypherpunk, you know, self-sovereign um, nature that, that that's there. Yeah, there's a there's a happy medium to be met. And actually, I speaking, you've mentioned River a couple times. I I really like the tweet they sent out this morning, which is actually a hike quote. Uh, Liberty not only means that the individual has both the opportunity and the burden of choice it also means that he must bear the consequences liberty and responsibility are inseparable yeah um so sort of driving home that idea of extreme ownership with bitcoin but like you're describing services can make it a little bit easier yeah exactly um yeah i love that high quote it's like you're you're free to do whatever you want but you're not free from responsibility um 
Yeah. Well, that's crazy. Today's day and age, too. It seems it's fascinating being so into Bitcoin and seeing the world evolve outside of Bitcoin, particularly here in the United States right now, where it seems like just culturally nobody wants self-responsibility. And, and this plays itself out like in the media and at, at the corporate level, right? Like nobody's an individual at the corporate level anymore. It's like, hey, you take the the line of the week and you, you tweet about it. You make sure you're aligned. Uh, you don't take any ownership. You just uh, sort of parrot what everybody else is saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we're, we're definitely I've felt this since the coronavirus thing is like suffering from a lack of responsibility and lack of leadership um, and people taking responsibility. You know, I think and that's like great. Like you want to take more responsibility, I think, because that like empowers you. Um, you, know, you take responsibility for yourself and like you bear the, you know, I think like Jordan Peterson talks about like you bear the the, cr- the cross or like the torch of like, you know, your dad dies and like, are you going to sit there and you're going to cry about it and be weak? Or are you going to like take responsibility and, and, you know, stretch on? Um, I think we need, we need more of that. We definitely do. What, uh, what has pissed you off the most about the coronavirus debacle? What Not was debacle, that? But what has pissed you off the most about this, uh, this quarantine? Um, honestly, I've gotten like, the, I've gotten a very, I've got a great deal with this quarantine. Uh, I'm, I'm just sitting here riding bikes and, and building Bitcoin stuff. Um, but I mean, my thing is like, it, I, I don't watch the news that much um, because I, it, it just seems apparent from this coronavirus thing that like nobody really knows what they're talking about. Um, it's like one day, one, you know, one day the masks are not necessary. The next day they are necessary. Um, you know, this many people are going to die. We're going to open up restaurants. Like, it just doesn't seem like, it just doesn't seem like there's a cohesive, like, nobody nobody knows what's going on. We're just all kind of taking our own guesses. And I'm a little bit skeptical or like a little bit, um, it seems to me like nobody knows what's going on. And so like, we just, like, as individuals, we should probably just take our own, like, responsibility, um, it's bad, I think, to make decisions at like a macro level if nobody knows what's happening. Um, just, yeah. just to, like, to circle back. Yeah, you have to like de- distribute the risk by allowing individuals to make their own decisions. Um, like, I feel really, I feel really bad for um, like small business owners that are like forced to like not open up their restaurant. Um, not that like I think that people should be going to restaurants, but it's like the the mechanism of um, of like let it. it, it it would be terrible for a restaurant to go under because the government says that they cannot open up the restaurant. I would rather have the restaurant go under because nobody shows up to their restaurant um, because like they don't want to get coronavirus. Um, Just to circle right. back, what I miss the most is live music. Me, me too. <laughs> me as well. I, fortunately, I, really miss live music. I went to a show like February 25th or something. Got it in mm. right, right before everything went to shit. Very grateful for that. Yeah, I did. Uh... No, but oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say along the lines of let individuals decide whether or not they want to take the risk. I think that's that's the big thing, especially now. Like I sent out a tweet the other day that got a lot of a lot of traction or a lot of comments about like everybody's freaking out about all the cases spiking like crazy right now. But if you look at the total deaths, like it's the seven day average is as low as it was on March 
21st, I believe I just checked, and uh, we have like more than double the amount of cases this week than at that point. So it's just this weird, again, like you said, nobody knows exactly what's going on, and the burden should be on individuals to weigh the the risk and reward if, if they want to interact with the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, I know where I am. Like, the outdoor bars are open, and, and people are being respectful, at least in some bars. Some bars they aren't. Um, at the ones that I've been to, uh, keeping a distance, um, it's crazy. It's like, we're not going to have 4th of July fireworks here this, uh, this year, which, which makes no sense to me considering it's outside and the fireworks aren't a barge and everybody would be on the beach, but that's my rant. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's just, it's weird. Um, just really weird. I'm, I'm going back to Matt's comment. Like I'm grateful. Uh, uh, February, what was it? February into like March 1st, I was in New York. Uh, my favorite band was playing at the Beacon Theater. And uh, I love I, the they, did a, they did a five night run and uh, I splurged and was like, fuck it, I'm going to do all five nights. And yes, uh, that, was, boss. that was the last, that was the last concert that I went to before all this went down. So I'm, I'm very happy that I, I made that decision. Thanks for hitting us up while you're in town. <laughs> I, there was there was something going on actually i saw somebody there was a bit devs thing going on like on the thursday but like my flight came in and i just like had to go immediately to the beacon so i would have believe me i would have <laughs> next time how were how were the how was the how was that run was it a good five show run oh it was, it was great um a five-night run is an interesting thing because i had the same tickets all five nights so i was in the same seat and there was a lot of other folks that did five nights. So by the end of day five, by the end of the show of day five, like I had known like everybody around me, like knew everybody's name. Like we knew like where everybody was from. Um, it, it was great. Um, and it's my favorite band. That. It's band uh, Widespread Panic They're from like Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I saw, you, I saw on your website that you tried to have them run for president or something like that. Oh yeah, that was um, yeah in 2016 after Rand Paul dropped out of the race, I made this like Facebook post and was like, I, this was when I was very into wise. I was I'm been into them since like 2015, and um, I was like made this fictitious like kind of like I was bored in the library at school and was like made this thing, this like long drawn out post about like we need I'm I'm putting my support behind widespread panic and um, it got a lot of it, it, like a lot of my friends started liking it and then I made like some bumper stickers. And then um, ended up like sold a bunch of those online and then was like, oh, I sold a bunch of bumper stickers online. Like I should make T-shirts. Turns out T-shirts are a lot harder to sell than bumper stickers. $15 T-shirts is a higher bar than $2 bumper stickers. So um, I remember I called my, so, so I made this website with like, you know, this fictitious presidential campaign, just like replicating like, you know, an actual candidate, but like with the band and put all these like band references in it. Um, and then ordered these t-shirts and I remember I like called my mom and I was like, mom, I think I made a huge mistake. I ordered, way, <laughs> I ordered way too many t-shirts. <laughs> um, and so then I had to hustle. Then I went to, I went to actually 15 shows that year and, uh, and hustled these, these t-shirts and ended up, uh, getting it, getting them all sold. You were, you were competing with the official merch table. That's blasphemous. Well, these the the jam band stuff. They uh, they're fine with it, you know, like the Grateful Dead kind of vibe. They you you can yeah. you can set up the thing in the back of your car and sell stuff. So that's pretty true. B 
Beacon Theater is a good theater to do a five show run at too. Yeah, that place. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I'm also like, uh, bit, like uh, I think a lot of Bitcoiners into like just like classical architecture. Um, I've noticed that's oh, yeah. that's kind of been like a new theme like in the last year or two. And uh, yeah, so the Beacon is just like it's gorgeous. It's like the most beautiful thing. It is. I've seen a few shows. I've seen Jerry Seinfeld there. It was like a funny show there. I saw Sturgill Simpson at the Beacon, too. That's a good show at the Beacon. Yeah. Um, and then uh, King's Theater in Brooklyn. Matt, have you been there? It is so fucking badass. Do you know that was originally Isn't a movie it? theater? Yeah, it was built in like 1908, wasn't it? Or something fucking like cool, man. I love that place. Yeah. We have some of the best yeah, venues. So-, so does actually, so does Colorado. Colorado has some dope-ass venues. We've got the best. Red Rocks is over Yeah. There. We got yeah. the good outdoor venues. Yeah. So, I would so love you, to get a Red Rocks one day. Yeah. Not to, not to keep plugging widespread, but they actually have the record for most sold out shows at Red Rocks. I think uh, really? this summer would have been like 61, I think. You should get so. them to give you a grant for Lily. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure they're hurting right now. They're not playing any shows, so. Well, they're, they're right. not hurting. They're fine, actually. They're they're fine. But freaks, open Spotify. You can keep it on silent. Just keep replaying their songs, so they get like one cent every time you play it. There's actually there's a great you should uh, there's a song called Little Lily. You should check that out. It's a great song. Ooh, ooh, Little Lily. Yeah. I wish we could play it right now on the podcast. I'm not technically competent enough to throw in that music, <laughs> nor know whether or not we'll get D- DMCA'd. We would, yeah. right? Um, like, isn't that... Are we allowed to just play random songs on air? Well, I hear them on other podcasts every once in a while. I'm like, how do they do that? Like, do you have to check? To buy a license fee? I don't know. I think you have to pay for it. Yeah. A DCMA is um, always good publicity, though. We could say the man's trying to take us down. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping HBO sends us a cease and desist for the name of the podcast. I've been waiting on that. That's when we know we officially make it. Marty says we won't officially rebrand to TFTC TFTC until until we get a Tales from the Crypt uh, takedown notice. It's that's funny because we uh, uh, when I was in God, it was either middle school or early high school. We used to watch uh, Tales from the Crypt in my buddy's house. Great show. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope we don't get in too much trouble for that. If there is any trouble to be had, I don't know. Maybe I should not be talking about this on air. If you're listening, <laughs> Marty's the one you go after. <laughs> no, no, Lewis Roberts. He he thought of the name. He launched a podcast. Um, Kevin, it's been a pleasure. Multisig wallets, music. What else is going on in that mind? Anything else on uh, the top of your mind that you want to talk about before we wrap up here? Um, uh, I don't know. Not really. Bitcoin, um, Bitcoin related? Is there anything um, happening on Lightning or at the protocol level that you're excited for or looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to – I'm really excited about um, – so Lightning, obviously, Layer 2. Um, really stoked about, like, the um, – uh, DLC, discrete log contract stuff. Um, actually, so Nadav also lives in Boulder, so he we I see him every once in a while at the the Bitcoin meetups here, um, and uh, so he's doing like that. Really, dude is smart. Yeah, yeah, he, he's doing. I think that that stuff is going to be really interesting. Um, I actually thought about like, um, and I actually I should ask him about it, but like 
So the DLC stuff lets you like basically make bets on like stuff like let's say price of Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if like, you could use that as a mechanism to like create like a stable coin with Bitcoin. Um, basically, because like that's like how like prices work for like corn and like other commodities that you trade options for. It's like the the purpose of that is to stabilize price. So like the you offload as a farmer, you like offload risk. Um, to you know some suit and uh that way you don't have to worry about like if the price of corn fluctuates so i'm wondering like if that's like what his like what something will come out with that with like basically you have like a, a bitcoin that's like it's always like you know ten thousand um, dollars sats are my stable can... coin and to me corn means bitcoin so i'm very confused i think you could set something like that up on the options exchanges like bitmex Oh yeah, maybe like, yeah, maybe you can. I'm not super. I'm not super just, familiar with with trading or Bitmex, but um, I think the I stuff think, you think like Darab- Yeah, if you just had a correct proportion of a short and a long. If you just do a one to one short, it's just stablecoin. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. But you have to manage. I think then you have, have a third party risk. That. Yeah. Is there uh, is there a third party risk with that? Yeah, Bitmex. Yeah. Max, yeah. So can you do? So that's I guess was my question is like, could you do that natively, um, on Bitcoin with DLCs? So you just created you beat both parties in the DLC. Well, you'd like you'd upload it to somebody parties. else, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. These are things I think about that I don't fully understand. <laughs> I think no matter what, you have third party risk. Okay. Well, um, the DLC third party risk is with the Oracle, but you have you have ways in which you could punish the Oracle, I believe, and recoup some funds. And the I Oracle believe. might not know which, which contract. The Oracle doesn't know who it's feeding information yeah. to either. So, yeah. Yeah. The, the stuff that they're doing there at Surebits, I think is, is also just fascinating. So I hope that, yeah, lightning yep. adoption on, on exchanges would be sweet. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the team at Surebits. Very, uh, underrated team out there mm-hmm. um i love the stuff that they're working on and they're good drinkers which i respect <laughs> i can drink i can drink um kevin it's been a pleasure man yeah happy to get to know you sorry uh, i don't have a shirt on uh, it's great i've been this is i've been enjoying the view <laughs> <laughs> at least that makes one of us <laughs> I'm, je- um, I'm jealous. Uh, I'm going up to, to Michigan, uh, flying out to Michigan to hang out at my buddy's lake house this weekend. So, you're, uh, I'll be, I'll be you and tomorrow, hopefully. Wakeboarding, just boating. Just yeah, boating, pooling, hanging, yeah. uh, hanging with the high school buddies. Wear a mask through TSA. This is the one time you get away with it. It's worth it. Yeah, oh, I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not paranoid about getting it, but uh, definitely gonna be using precautions for sure i mean regardless of what you think about corona it's important to flex on the tsa with a mask while you walk through exactly (laughs) my least favorite government organization the tsa um kevin where can we find out more about you where can we help you with lily um yeah where 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 can we find out more about the project in general too totally yeah so if you um so I, I use Twitter a lot. So um, I did make a Lily Twitter account. It's just at Lily Wallet. Um, 
but you should just follow me on Twitter. I tweet more <laughs> stuff. So um, I just took the, the Twitter, the Lily Twitter, just so nobody else would. Um, so yeah, just at uh, KBC, so K-A-Y-B-E-S-E-E um, on Twitter. Um, I got my website on there, KevinMulcrone.com. And then Lily's website is just lily.kevinmulcrone.com. Um, and yeah, there's, there's, uh, you can go on there, but you can get the, uh, I get like a little splash page with like some of the features of the wallet and some screenshots and then like the download links are there. Um, there's a pull request out right now for Linux support. So we're going to get Linux and I'm going to get windows on with this next release. Um, so that'll be great. Get more people using it. Um, uh, shout out to, uh, to those, those pull requests and, um, uh, yeah. Awesome. Dude, again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for doing the work that you do. It's very interesting stuff. I think uh, you've got a, a good mindset to approaching these products and, and a long-term view, which we appreciate here at TFTC. Uh, I hope you enjoy your trip to Michigan. Thanks. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure making this stuff. This community is awesome. I mean, everybody is super supportive. So it's, yeah. Uh, it's a well, um, yeah, well, thank you for your time. Matt, you got anything? Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, can I, do the, love, can I do the can I do the caca? Yeah, yeah, I'll do I'll do peace and love. And then you can go. All right, ready? <laughs> peace and love. <laughs> it's okay. That was okay. I need, to, you, I, need uh, to, I need to work on it. <laughs> you're a little you're a little too timid. You can, you can't be timid, but you just go. I'm just gonna get into it. It's a very very visceral face thing. Um, all right. That's all we got this week, freaks. Okay. <laughs>